Hey everyone, it's Alt Protein Weekly Live. We're back from Green Queen and I'm here with Steve, my resident in-house um, expert on all things Alt Protein and VC extraordinaire. Hey Steve. Hey Sonali, how's it going? It's good, it's good. It's been a bit of a of a kind of a battered week in uh, in plant based. So I think let's dive into our big story. Meatless Farm are kind of RIP. Um, they're facing administration, as they call it over there, or bankruptcy. Um, they fired pretty much their whole staff. Everyone's on LinkedIn saying that they're looking for new roles. Um, the CEO hasn't spoken out, but the website uh, no longer exists and social media accounts are not posting anything. So what are we feeling? Is this the uh, UK's beyond? This is a tough one. I don't. I never thought about it as the UK's beyond, but maybe it is. I like when I think of like beyond and impossible. I just think of them as such different levels, just in terms of revenue. Like we're talking four or five hundred million for beyond and impossible. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, Meatless Farms was one of the most well-known plant-based brands in the UK, and they even made a jump over to the US. I saw them in, in Whole Foods over here, and um, the. The big takeaway for me on this one is that this is not going to be the first time we see this in the news. We've seen this a little bit recently with other brands closing and cultivated and plant-based. I hear chatter in the industry of a lot of other brands having issues. Um, and the thing that I think is worth calling out is that this is kind of what we need to expect if companies take venture capital as their route to market. Um, and what I mean by that, and this is coming from a VC, is that when you raise money from venture capitalists, there's an expectation that you grow at a rapid but continued continued rapid pace. So when that growth slows down, which it sounds like that's what happened with Meatless, it sounds like they were at 12 million in revenue, a little over, and then it kind of dropped to like 11 million. When that happens, it just doesn't work anymore for the VC model. And that means that the later stage investors that you need to raise from just say, oh no, this doesn't work, sorry. So they're not being mean they're not saying we don't believe in plant-based they're just saying from a number standpoint this does not meet the vc model so if you go the vc route you really need to have that continued rapid growth or what i suggest companies do that still exists today is do whatever you can to try to shift to profitability because once you're profitable you don't need to rely on outside capital to just keep operations going um but it was really interesting that the website is down. Like I checked after I saw that and it's just like flat out not there anymore. And that's kind of crazy. It was super fast. So that's interesting. So just for everyone listening, um, you know, um, Meatless had raised over 40 million around, I believe, I think in, in, in pounds. And I think that, you know, the company, when I say it's the UK's beyond, I guess I'm thinking on a different, a few different levels, definitely not in terms of revenue scale and distribution mm -hmm. scale, but it is a brand that in the UK was very much associated with the, the boom times of plant-based. It's pea protein based, and it was often compared to beyond. Um, it secured listings in, in four of the major UK supermarkets, which is how it works in the UK. It's a, it's a really big deal. It, it, it did a big deal with, a. Uh, Hub chain Weatherspoons, where it was the first plant-based meat on the on their menus, and then it it expanded um, to Asia. I mean, I would see the team at trade shows, at conferences here across the region, and of course, it was in the U.S. at Whole Foods, no less. So, I mean, this is a brand that you know had a footprint and 
had had some interesting marketing plays as well and was making noise, um, especially with like sports teams and, and interesting campaigns. Um, so I think we have to separate out the business discussion with the sentiment discussion. And I think yeah. from a business point of view, you've given a really great kind of um, synopsis of what happened and it's super interesting and important for all brands to remember are you a VC growth business? And if you are, there is an expectation and there's a train you need to be on. And once it's left the station, that's it. But I think from for me, I'm looking at it also from a sentiment point of view. And mm -hmm. I'm feeling that there is this kind of weight that I'm, I, I've been speaking to people in the UK over the last couple of days. And it's definitely put kind of a damper on the industry there in a way yeah. that, you know, the beyond story does in the US, you know? And so other players are starting to feel like, oh gosh, is it me? Am I next? Or are people getting over the industry? You're starting to see the headlines in the UK, local, more local newspapers that are like, oh, plant-based is over. But mm -hmm. here's a kicker. I did read an interesting piece about how in the UK, while brands are having a hard time, um, private label plant-based in supermarkets is showing growth. I, so, I think I saw the exact same thing. And it was pretty impressive growth too. Very impressive. Like 14, 15% growth for some yep. of them. Marks and Spencer's, um, uh, Morrison's. I mean, it, Europe has this, Europe and the UK have this very unique kind of um, private label game that is played mm -hmm. that you don't see as much in the US. Like, mm -hmm. can you think of a private label plant-based meat brand in the US that really has the range and the visibility of like Marks and Spencer's Plant Kitchen or or Tesco's like Plant Chef? No, I mean, you see some some that are like, like Whole Foods has some good brands, like the 365 brand, that's their their private label. And I, I know everyone loves like Trader Joe's vegan foods, but it's still relatively small. Like I don't, you don't see it uh, as prominently, but but I you do see what I kind of read about the the UK ones where the prices are a lot cheaper than the the highly branded products. So I don't know if that's what's driving it, but I mean, you can't really ignore that. So I, I, that that was a, a little bit of a positive silver lining. Absolutely. So, I mean, let's see what happens. It's definitely a signal. And it's, as you said, there will be more to come and mm -hmm. we must be ready for that. And it's normal. Consolidation is normal. I think we can all agree that there are too many brands. It's just... I think surprising for people that it's a brand as established as meatless. Um, so let's, yeah. let's, it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of this. So let's go to um, each of our picks for top story. I'm going to let you go first. What, 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 what stood out to you this week? Yeah. So one that stood out to me was that uh, it's this Brazilian meat processing giant JBS. So again, one of the biggest meat processors in the world. Um, they they acquired a majority stake of Biotech Foods a while back, which is a cultivated meat company, um, and they're developing their first large scale cultivated meat production plant. Um, and they're also adding methane biodigesters to its plants in nine Brazilian cities. So first, just on the cultivated meat production plant side, this stood out to me mainly because this is going to be a really telling um, telling development for the space. Uh, this. The, no one's caring about the CapEx spend on this like we do with a lot of the startups. How are they going to fund CapEx? This is being funded by uh, JBS, and uh, this is a drop in the bucket in terms of the amount of money they need to spend on that. Um, and it just 
shows that a large meat company is trying to see if cultivated meat makes sense. Um, and I'm excited to see how this pans out. Um, but separately on the adding methane biodigesters to its plants in Brazilian cities, uh, and this idea that they're shifting to cultivated meat, I, and all of this coming together of this idea, is JBS trying to distance itself from deforestation or de deforestation beef? I think that's ridiculous. I mean, at the end of the day, let's not forget that we can't have greenwashing when it comes to JBS. Beef represents, I think, around 40, 41% of all deforestation globally. So if they're the biggest producer of beef in Brazil, then they are a monster driver of deforestation. So love to see this, love to see the progress, uh, but uh, I don't want to let them get off scot-free here. Interesting. I really liked your your takes. I mean, JBS is such a complicated one, right? I mean, ethically, meat workers, it's a disaster. Greenwashing, disaster. I mean, there's no denying that JBS is in the livestock business and in the conventional livestock business. I mean, whatever else they're doing, these are tiny percentages compared to where their profits are coming from. It's funny, you, you, you talked a lot about deforestation and two things pop out to me. One, we need to reframe a lot of alt protein technologies as land-like technologies. And we need to have a bigger focus on why we need to choose land-like versions new ways of farming that are land-like because land mm. is going to be such a precious commodity. And two, Europe just passed a really interesting deforestation law that's going mm. to have huge impacts on beef exporters globally because- Interesting. Um, yeah, it, it passed about a, a few weeks ago and basically anything that is linked to deforestation is going to be very hard to export to Europe. So that affects wow. chocolate and coffee and paper and of course livestock and and dairy so so i, I very well, let's hope that they don't throw in subsidies to to offset any any extra taxes that they apply that or is it or is it like they're not even allowed to import things that have heavy deforestation ties it's it's linked to importing when you're in europe so it's going to have oh. huge effects on palm oil and everything um we we've done a few pieces on it um so much more to come and that's why the, the idea of land-like agriculture is very is becoming more and more relevant. And I'm actually hearing more and more ag banks and big ag companies really starting to take it seriously because again, regulation becomes the the stick that that mm -hmm. you know um necessity is the mother of, well, I wouldn't say innovation, but change, let's put it that way. That's really interesting. That's really interesting. What about I'm you? What is your what's your thing this week that stood out to you? Okay, well, what stood out to me was the news that Taco Bell is going to be, uh, is launching at three U.S. locations, its first vegan main, it's a vegan crunch wrap, and a um, couple things stand out. One, Taco Bell has long been kind of a, um, uh, what's it called, they, they've stayed away from the plant-based thing, and they really have taken a long time to even consider having a vegan meat menu item, like they've had um, vegetarian options made with whole foods, whole vegetables, but they, they've stayed away from like the vegan meat, the vegan cheese. And two, um, they experimented. There was talk about them speaking with beyond and, um, they're, they've experimented with different brands and we know they've looked at other brands, but it based on further digging that I did, this is their own in-house plant-based meat, um, beef, I believe it's a beef alternative. So 
I just think that's really exciting. I think Taco Bell is, you know, a beloved fast food brand. I know that I loved it as a teenager in Singapore. Um, and I still kind of have a guilty kind of uh, guilty Taco Bell <laughs> pleasure. Uh, when I get to the States, I usually want to try at least one time to have Taco Bell, which is so embarrassing because it's fast food and it's, it's, yeah, it's all the bad things, but I think this is interesting. I think given the climate that we're in and what everyone's talking about and all the headlines around plant-based, it shows that to me, it says that they believe there is a demand and Taco Bell is a brand very associated with Gen Z. They have really interesting marketing campaigns and all the data I'm seeing is that Gen Z is going more towards plant-based and they like to have options. So for me, this shows there's a market demand. This is a company that has waited a long time before wading into this and now they're doing it. And I, I don't think they would do it without having done some research. So I don't know, what do you think? I mean, I agree in terms of the excitement, the 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 old teenager in me that used to have two <laughs> Crunchwrap Supremes every day before I was vegan and clearly didn't care about my health. I miss that so much. And the idea that I could have that again is kind of really, really exciting. Um, I'm I'm also really hopeful because to your point, this is using their own plant-based meat or plant-based cheese. Um, so it's not relying on a brand partnership or anything like that. So it, big companies like that are very hesitant to put that much time into innovation and putting things out in the market unless they're pretty pretty sure about it. But I'm hopeful that it actually sticks because we've seen this before with big chains, whether it's KFC or or even McDonald's putting out there, putting out a new plant-based offering and then they, they take it away later. Um, we also saw that with, with Chipotle. So um, I, I hope that these test locations that they have right now for Taco Bell, that it goes well. Uh, and that they also do expand this and keep it long term because that would be that would be amazing. And I would be a, a frequent Taco Bell consumer again for the first time in a very long time. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> All right, let's close out with a positive story. Um, I think we both picked this one, but I'll let you I'll let you share it. What's the positive story of the week? Yes. Yeah, so we have Bay Area AI food tech startup Climax Foods debuted the world's first plant-based casein, which it says mimics the functionality, flavor, texture, melt, and stretch of animal dairy casein. So that's the, the headline that's in there. If Climax is doing what they are saying they can do, this is a very big deal. So for the number of years I've been in this space, talking to leading scientists in the plant-based plant space and precision fermentation and molecular farming, um, it's basically been assumed that you cannot create the functionality of casein or a casein micelle, which are which is a collection of dairy proteins um, with plant proteins. So it just said it can't be done or we don't know how to do it with the plants that we know how to use. The whole idea of Climax, from my understanding, and maybe Climax, if I'm saying it wrong, then you can let me know. But the whole idea of Climax is they're saying, well, what about the thousands of other plants that exist on the planet? We're ignoring those. Maybe there's proteins that naturally exist in plants that have the functionality of casein and can give us that stretching and melting of dairy cheese just without dairy. And they, they created an AI platform and database and they say they found it, they figured it out. I have no idea if that's what's happening, but it's my understanding this is not precision fermentation or molecular farming um, or even uh, cultivated dairy. This is still all plant-based. Um, this would I be mean, huge. I mean, this is the holy grail. 
Um, mm -hmm. When I first read it, I, I thought, is this giving Nobel a, a run for their money? You know, is this is this molecular farming? But it's not. It appears not. I mean, Oliver Zahn is certainly a unique um, and compelling founder. He's an astrophysicist. Um, I, I believe he worked for NASA. So this is mm -hmm. someone with, you know, a strong science background. This is not you know, this is not just a food person uh, who came at it and and hired a team of scientists. He himself is a scientist. Um, it sounds like they've been working on this for a really long time. I mean, what what about the actual the plant that they're using? Yeah, that's the thing. So I, it's actually funny. I just put out a piece this morning about transparency in food tech. So I I have no idea what they're using, and I haven't seen anything that says they're using a very specific plant. Um, or, or what it is, or maybe it's a collection of plants. Uh, I do hope that by the time they're bringing this to consumers that they say what they're using and they're being transparent about it because um, I think that that's really important to build trust with consumers. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I haven't heard anything about the specifics around the, the plants that they're using. Um, but one thing that I would, I would call out is that as with any of these things, any big breakthrough, we get super excited about it. The one thing I'd be very curious to understand for them is how they plan to scale up whatever that plant might be. Let's say they found some very specific plant in a very far off part of the world and they know this has the functional proteins that we need to recreate the stretching and melting of dairy cheese. That's not scaled up in our farming system. So if they want to displace dairy, they're going to need a lot of that. I'd be so curious to understand the plans to scale that up. So what you're saying is there's a there's an actual ag play here. In, involved oh, 100%. in the same and way that, that, that's, that's the same thing for anything even like precision fermentation or or cultivated meat whether it's a microbe or a cell we need agricultural inputs for almost all of the technologies that are out there um so there's never going to be a true decoupling a hundred percent from agriculture and I, I i think that's a misconception that that exists in the space Indeed. And I think also it's a reminder that everything is linked and that we need supporting actors, supporting a whole ecosystem. Um, and that calls out to, to your post. By the way, everyone, Steve did write a fantastic Medium post today that I really recommend reading called Without This, It's Game Over. Um, I think it's a must. I would also like to call out one post in our newsletter that I think everyone should read. Um, it's a really fantastic piece by Zoran who runs the shift agency and it's basically all about design codes in alt protein branding and it's fascinating for anyone who runs an alt protein brand or wants to think about how we're marketing these brands how we're targeting consumers you're going to see a lot more content from green queen around that because I've spent the last six to 12 months just diving into how do we get people to change their behavior? And one thing that's become very clear is that, you know, we haven't hit our home run with a lot of these brands and we need to do better. And so alt proteins design language and how you do you create mainstream desire to drive food system change? Very much a recommended read. We're already getting a huge amount of, of kind of feedback on the piece. And I just wanted to call it out. So oh, that's a good one. That's that was a very good read. I, I I agree. And I even I've even heard people say maybe we shouldn't even call it alt protein. Maybe that's maybe that's a bad place to start where we're saying this is alternative as opposed and it kind of creates this idea of it being um, not as good. Uh, I so wrote a piece on that eight months ago. 
Um, I don't doubt it. And now I need um, to read it. <laughs> um, it's a, it was a whole op-ed about how we made a mistake calling it alternatives. And I, I'm hearing that message more, which is great. Um, I don't know how we're going to re reframe it, but it can be done. Um, see cultivated meat and the nomenclature there. Um, well, thanks so much, Steve. So many insights, so much news. There's so much more in the newsletter, everyone. So this is just a teaser for anyone who likes the live audio listen. Um, if you like what we're doing, please share this link or add it. Follow us on your Spotify. Our, sh our show, our Green Queen All Purging Weekly Live is on Spotify now. We have our own feed um, and share it and give us feedback and tell us what you want to talk about. Um, eventually, we're going to start bringing guests for like mini five-minute um, segments. So get ready to start suggesting who you want to join the show. And thanks so much, everyone. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Talk to you next week. Bye.